This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. In the meantime, it is 5.44. It's time for Trending Today, where the question is, should Nasi Kanda only be halal? This is based on a story that's gone very viral. Um, unfortunately, I think it's a little bit disheartening that it has mm. gone the direction it has. But um, basically, Pumbas, uh, Pumba as in, yes, Pumba, the warthog, Disney. Um, Pumba's nasi lemak and nasi kanda has gone viral for serving nasi kanda and clearly nasi lemak with pork. Um, so it kind of started, the video has been going around and the video was captioned, uh, the only stall in Malaysia to sell Indian-style pork, nasi kanda and nasi lemak. Um, And it has been received, I think, largely... There's been a very large variety of reactions, um, including from official associations. So Presma, which is the Malaysian Muslim Restaurant Entrepreneurs Association, has said, uh, its president, uh, Datuk Jao, Jawaha Ali Taib Khan said that um, it was originally introduced by Indian Muslims, the dish of nasi kanda, and that this um, introducing pork into the dish would create confusion among customers um, and that essentially, you know, that that's a problem. So to be fair, um, there have been interviews uh, with the proprietor of the of the stall and he said that the shop is very clearly marked as being non-halal. It's in the name also, right? It, like The signboards basically say Nasi Babi, for instance. Um, it is also within a larger non-halal Chinese coffee shop. So there are a number of ways in which actually it's quite clear what the restaurant is selling. Um, so the other part of this conversation, of course, is whether certain dishes are only supposed to be for certain people or certain communities, whether there's something inherently wrong with having pork to accompany nasi kanda. Now, for what it's worth, the Penang Mufti, Datuk Sri Wan Salim Noor, told Malaysia Kini that he sees nothing wrong with this as long as there's a clear notice for Muslims about the ingredients. And he said sellers are free to prepare and sell non-halal food to non-Muslims. I love the way we fight about food. And, you know, it's, it's all kinds of levels, right? We fight about the taste and what is traditional, what is innovative, uh, and whether that innovation somehow exceeds its limit and it therefore destroys the the very notion of the dish. And then we also have that other extreme, which is much more politicized, which is the kind of... I don't know, it's like culture wars or, you know, culture skirmishes around who owns what and who gets the right to deal with this or, you know, tamper with something. And so um, I think this is just one instance of many that we see. And it's almost like a weekly thing. There's a new controversy. Um, And I wonder if there is some uh, dimension of it, which has to do with, you know, kind of low intensity psychological warfare against some segments of the society, creating constant anxiety, you know, among them about what is out there in the world and who's trying to somehow... uh, uh, subvert them. It's relevant, um, I think, also to talk about this in the context of social media, which is often in and of itself very contextless. Um, In other words, you see a a tweet of a tweet of a tweet of a tweet. And so all you see is pork and nasi kanda in the same sentence. And then you react to that without necessarily considering the context, like the coffee shop, like the fact that there's clear signs. Because um, Zion, for example, says the operator must display clear signage that the premise is non-halal, which is there. And now just for context, mm. it is in fact there. Um, it's not just the pork, nasi kanda, nasi lemak, it should be off limits to Muslims, which again, um, 
because I think of the of the layers of sharing that happens on social media and the the constant kind of interaction, it may mean that you didn't see the original thing or you're not kind of clocking exactly what it is or what's happening, especially with the signage. But it's there. And so I think it's just one of those things. I mean, I wonder about Zayn's thing, right? In the, the statement, it should be off limits to Muslims. The question in that statement is, uh, whose responsibility? I, as somebody who has food restrictions or dietary restrictions based on my religious beliefs, is it incumbent upon me to make sure that what I consume in the world conforms with my values? Or is it the responsibility of those preparing food and offering it as a service? Because there will be individuals who who might be in a category that says, you know, uh, say pork or beef is uh, off limits, but might want to partake. partake. So who, whose responsibility is it? How is a restaurant operator beyond obvious physical signs, even supposed to ascertain whether the customer walking into their restaurant is of a certain religion or not. Yeah, and also that if that person chooses to buy from them, yes. beyond telling them or reminding them, oh, by the way, and mm. it happens to me all the time, sir, do you in fact eat meat or do you take this? Because people you know, look at me and they could, they could assume anything in terms of my religious beliefs. Um, and as soon as they do that, I think their responsibility ends. So it is it is a, a complex thing, right? Because that part of it is that um, what actually exactly what you said is the responsibility on the food operator, uh, the restaurant operator, to to say what they to uh, based on what they sell and who's supposed to buy from them. Yeah, to police other people, yes. they police their customers. On the other hand, there's also this larger question of should this dish even exist? Uh. So. We would like to hear from you as well. Um, we are talking about Pumba Nasi Kanda, um, which has gone viral. This question of a Nasi Kanda pork and whether it is, um, whether it's difficult, uh, whether it's, um, sorry, lost my train of thought. Whether, um, who's at fault here is basically the question that we are asking you. Send your thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bring forth Moolah, BFM 89.9. It is 5.51. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. We're talking about um, a pork nasi kanda, a restaurant that's gone viral. People criticising the selling of the dish. And uh, we... The, the selling of the dish, which is labelled um, Which is clearly labelled as non-halal. In a uh, non-halal kopitiam. Yes. Sorry, just, I, I, I feel the need to clarify for context. <laughs> because otherwise, you know... Yeah. Well, yeah. so we want to hear from you. Who's at fault here? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. We have plenty of thoughts coming in. So, okay, let's start with TIDJ who says, I must state that I'm 25% Indian Muslim and I honestly am not bothered by non-halal nasi kanda. I will admit that historically nasi kanda is associated with Indian Muslim cuisine, but if there are some buffoons claiming that it's confusing, then be then because of the fact that kandas are no longer used and dishes are displayed on large hot plates, the existing nasi kanda should also stop using that name. No kanda, no nasi kanda. <laughs> yeah, so okay, so the idea, I think TIJ, DJ, you, I mean, you get the right in the sense that 
um, you know, why should, um, you know, the arguments be made uh, as if that history doesn't include an evolution of these dishes, right? And uh, for me, you know, um, what is more interesting is whether pork works within the kind of culinary framework that nasi kanda is. I mean, it's a, because, you know, it's different when it's fish and it's beef or whatever. So it's it not nasi kanda cheese is what you're trying yeah, to as say. As long as, yeah, yeah you don't you know, <laughs> sprinkle a lot of Parmesan cheese on yeah. it, you know, I'm fine. And so the, but 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 the the debates in Malaysia always um, range from the much more political to the you know to in fact the purists who have discussions that are about the food and about taste. So a number of people are actually bringing up this whole why is it only going one way, right? So Roberto saying, isn't this the same as chikute? Why can't it be adapted? CK says, so we've seen dim sum in Muslim Pasamalam, but non-halal nasi kanda is not allowed. What kind of cultural theft is this? Uh, well, I made the point off air mm. um, because I think that it's very much the same. Um, and to what you were saying earlier, Sharad, about it's really a question of whether these sorts of replacements or innovations work. That should be the question that we're talking about. Um, because similarly, Michael says, cultural diversity is our strength. Malay selling chakoi, yong tau fu, um, chakoi tiao, Chinese selling satay, nasi lemak. What's wrong then with nasi kanda with pork? Legion, meanwhile, says this year's mid-autumn festival, it was a Muslim lady who made halal mooncakes as a side gig who reminded me, a Chinese person, that it was the day. Yeah, so I, I actually think that these are all such good comparisons, which is to say, Malaysian food has always been quite... Um, it evolves, it changes. Um, a lot of dishes that used to exist before don't exist in that form anymore, or they do, but they're also variations. And I don't think that this kind of, again, as I go back to, as long as they're clearly labelled and um, it's clear to everybody who's consuming it what they're choosing to consume, I really don't see the problem. You know, we think about hybrid cultures like the Straits Board Chinese, the Peranakan culture and their food, right, which is very inspired by Malay cuisine and local produce, but also includes pork, right? And then if you look at the Chetty community, so, you know, they're, they're different. I think there was a time where that hybridity was given free play. And I, I don't know, maybe there were people who were upset. Uh, but, you know, I think that free play of innovation and maybe successes and also failures has um, has given way to this territoriality, right? So who, which is the organization that's going to come out and defend Nasikanda against the marauders, the, you know, the barbarians at the walls, you know, kind of storming the, the Nasikanda citadel? So I'm I mean, it's gone that way, unfortunately, and we always uh, find ourselves talking about these things. We also have, um, let's see, we have a voice note. This is from Benjamin. I think it's not an offence to sell pork. It's not an offence to eat pork. It's not an offence for anyone, irregardless of their religion, to buy whatever they think deems fit, whether they're Muslim or not. And whether if they want to buy pork or otherwise, that's up to them. So I think this is actually a form of some extremism or a new form of human stupidity. That's basically it. Benjamin, uh, thank you for that. I think a very strongly worded um, response. We do have a caller on the line as well. Good evening, Hadi. What are your thoughts? Hello, good evening. Okay, here's my thought. Uh, it's about food. So don't bring food into religion and don't bring 
religion, religion into food. So everybody has the right to eat what they want. And it's always an option. So like what Mo, the, the Mufti of Penang has mentioned, as long as there's a clear uh, sign what we can of what we can sell, that, and to me, that's, that's fine. All right, that's all from me. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Hadi. Um, I mean, I, I actually completely agree. I think that part of this is the don't bring religion into food and don't bring food into religion, I thought was quite well put. Except that, you know, I think historically, I mean, religion and culture is complex and they're blurring. But I think, Hadi, you're absolutely right in the sense that uh, to assert the right of individuals to make choices for themselves. Unfortunately, we live in a world where People and institutions are trying to police other people and other institutions. And that is part of the problem. As long as we, I think, uh, maybe stay firm on the rights of individuals to make choices for themselves, we're going to be on the right side of history. We have, um, I think... Anon says, I think a lot of people nowadays like to place the responsibility on others, whether it's to do with halal, vegan, diabetic, etc. We should look out for ourselves. I'm a Chinese Muslim and I replace chicken or beef for uh, pork dishes. I get to maintain my religious beliefs and I still enjoy the cuisine I was born to. Nini is saying very similar things. I don't eat beef. I just select dishes without beef. Um, and, and really, actually, that's what it comes down to. You are able to access information and then you can make those choices for yourself. Yeah, you know, it's it's a global phenomenon when you see in countries where there are politics uh, that is about identity, so much of it is about policing what we do and what we eat. And, you know, you see it in India, and I just returned from a trip in India, and you see that in India, uh, you know, and it's unfortunate because it does make life so much less joyful. Send your thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.